So I'm going to ask you how you're doing. I want you to respond uh, with, I'm doing blessed and on top. I'm blessed and on top. How you doing? Blessed. You're blessed and on top. All right. According to Deuteronomy 28, chapter, uh, verses 1 through 14, if you're serving the Lord and you're living in obedience, you are living the blessed and on top life. Well, I bring you greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus, the most powerful being this earth and universe has ever known. Uh, I'm so happy to be here and help you celebrate your one-year anniversary here as uh, Encounter. I remember the first day, yes. <clears throat> I remember the first day I met Bill. He was over at the uh, Real Life Church, and I walked into his office, and we sat down, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and uh, he said a few words, and I, I remember distinctly asking him, how long do you think you can hide it? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> And what I was referring to was uh, being filled with the precious gift of the Holy Spirit, being spirit-filled. My spirit immediately built, bore witness with his spirit, and I just, I just looked at him and started laughing at him. <laughs> it's like, how long do you think you can hide this? <laughs> because I could feel him as soon as I walked in the room, and I'm so glad for the, for the witness of the Holy Spirit. And I want to let you know that he's here in this place tonight. I want to speak to you from the bottom of my heart before I do that, though, I want to pray and ask that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. Father God, in the magnificent, marvelous, matchless name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you for a time such as this. We thank you for encounter. We thank you for Bill and his staff. We thank you for all that you're going to do tonight, healing, deliverance, comfort, peace, and joy. We ask for the power of the Holy Spirit that you would have your way. We give you free course into every heart and every mind. Open us up, Lord, that you might do your operation. Heal us where we hurt. Fix us where we're broke down. Encourage us where we become discouraged. Satan, I put you on notice that you're a defeated foe and that the blood of Jesus is against you now. And you will release God's people in this place. Father God, I thank you for victory. I thank you for peace. I thank you for joy. I thank you for the power of your testimony. And God, I say that you will have your will in this place. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, I've been introduced, but I'll introduce myself again. And uh, I'm Les Robinson. Uh, I'm the area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes for the Santa Cruz Valley. I'm also the head football coach over at Trinity Classical Academy over on the other side of town. Uh, I've been a senior pastor. I used to pastor a church called the Burning Bush Church. It was a spirit-filled church. Um, I've been in and around the church the majority of my life. Um, I stand before you a very proud man, but a very humble man. And uh, you could put that picture of me on the, on the screen. Last week, I was celebrating with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in the L.A. area. We had our annual, what we call FCA Fellowship, um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes Championship Breakfast, where each year we invite the two participating teams from the Rose Bowl to come and have breakfast with us and share their testimonies. And this year we are privileged to have the University of Oklahoma and the University of Georgia and several of their players to come over and share their testimonies. And our, and our, our keynote speaker was uh, Napoleon Kaufman, who used to be the starting running back for the Oakland Raiders, who is now the pastor of a church in Livermore, California, he also is the chaplain for the Oakland Raiders, and he is the head football coach at Bishop um, Amat. 
in, not Bishop Lamont, but Bishop O'Dowd in Oakland. And so God, uh, that was a very um, wonderful uh, uh, program that I was able to be a part of, and I, I'm so happy to serve in FCA because I too, like Bill, am a product of FCA. Uh, the next picture I'd like to show you uh, is a picture of my mom. That's my mom. Yesterday was her birthday, and that is her yesterday, and she is 83 years old. And so I thank God for my mom. I, I love to honor her because I am the man I am because of God, <clears throat> the FCA, and my mom. My mom taught me the Word of God, and she demonstrated the Word of God. She told me all the Bible stories. She taught me to pray. She even taught me to lay hands on my sick animals, and she taught me how to heal and see the power of healing through animals. And she increased my faith as a young kid and taught me to how, how to have a relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, I'm just going to kind of walk around because I'm comfortable doing that. One of my favorite scriptures is, I will, is uh, Psalms 34, where I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. And one of my other favorites is one that Bill um, sent out today, if it had not been for the Lord, because that is the story of my life. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, uh, this last October, I turned 61. Yeah, I'm 61 years old. I have three grandchildren. I have three children. Yes, I'm 61. <laughs> um, and I'll, I wish I would have brought it. I have a video of me. I got mad at my football team, and I jumped down on the bench press, and I bench pressed 300 pounds like it was nothing. And I haven't been working out. That's what God has done for me and in me. And I owe it all to God. I, I, I confess to you that I'm nobody. I shouldn't even be here. I should have been dead many, 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 many years ago. I've been so close to death so many times. Death's been all around me my whole life. Like a partner. But God was there. If it had not been for God. Um, I was raised in Sacramento, California. I'm the oldest of six children. My mom had a third grade education. She's from Madera, California. She's the daughter of sharecroppers. My uncles came out here. My grandfather and his brothers came out here in their 40s and worked their way in the land in the Central Valley. My grandfather ended up having about six or 700 acres uh, farm that he raised my mom and her eight siblings on. So my mom ended up having a third grade education, married my father, who was from San Francisco and was an educated man, both raised in the Christian faith. My father was a minister and raised me in Sacramento. I was born in 1956, and my first years were, were very pleasant with my mother and father. My mother and father had six kids. In, in a few years. I was born, they had a brother after me who was 10 months, 10 months after me. Two years after that, they had a set of twin girls. A year after that, they had my baby brother, and a year after that, they had my baby sister. And my father was in ministry. He played the piano and the organ at church. I was sitting next to him, and I was proud of my dad. He was a Sunday school superintendent. He knew the Word of God. He shared the Word of God. I, and my father was about 6'3". 
big man, beautiful man, about 225. Um, I was proud of my dad. I'm the third. I was, I was named after my father and my grandfather, so I was very proud. Um, and we lived on the right side of town. As a matter of fact, we were the only African-American family on our side of town. And I was getting a, a grade A education in the Sacramento City Unified School District. I was getting A's and B's and doing very well in school. I actually could write and read a little bit before I even went to school. And my parents started me in school a year early because my brother was so close to me, they didn't want us to be in the same grade. I don't know why, but he was so close to me. And now, the thing about my brother, my brother was 10 months younger than me, but he was always bigger than me. He's always, he's always been taller than me. So that was, there was always conflict. <laughs> you know, there was always some conflict because we were very competitive. But God had a plan. He, he had a plan. The thing is that my father had a secret. My father was living a double life. My father ended up um, confessing that he was gay. And he left our family when I was 11 years old. And at the age of 11, I became the man of the house. I was writing checks because my mom couldn't write. We, oh, well, my father was there. We lived well. We, we, we always drove a Cadillac. We, we lived on the right side of town. As a matter of fact, we, we lived in a three-bedroom house. We had a swimming pool in our backyard with a diving board and, and a three-car detached garage. How many African-American families lived like that in 61? Not many. So when my father left, we moved to the other side of town. At the age of 11, I began to do things, and I was exposed to things I had never been exposed to. Mind you, I'm, I'm in the church, I'm learning the Word, and at a very young age, I was able to quote Scripture. I knew the Word of God. I was very well-versed. I knew who Jesus was. I knew who his father was, and I could tell you all the Bible stories. But when my father left, we moved to the other side of town, an area called Oak Park, California. Oak Park, Sacramento is one of the, still one of the worst <laughs> neighborhoods in Sacramento. It's not a place you want to be. UPS doesn't deliver there. FedEx doesn't deliver there. The buses run around it. The police are afraid to drive through Oak Park. When they drive through Oak Park, they come two cars at a time and they wear helmets because they kill police in Oak Park. Lots of drugs, lots of prostitutes. It was nothing for me to see the prostitutes in the middle of the street fighting, pulling their wigs off, fighting over a John. It was nothing for me to see somebody walking down the street with a knife in their back. I saw my first murder the first year we moved there. I was 11 years old. Me and my brother walking to the swimming pool. Guy pulls out a 38, it's 104 degrees. Pulls out a 38, he's got a trench coat on in, in the park, pulls out a 38, walks up to a guy and empties it. Drops it and walks away like nothing happens. I saw stuff like that every other day. Riots broke out in 68, I was running for bullets. The Black Panthers tried to recruit me and my brother. The Black Muslims tried to recruit me and my brother because after all, we are two young men who are totally unprotected. There's no man in the house. We're on the welfare and living in the heart of Oak Park. Drugs, prostitution, murders, rapes all around us. Yet, I'm going to church. Um, the church bus is coming to pick us up. I'm learning the word. My life started to change, though, 
a little bit later on, it was found out that me and my brother could run. And uh, in our first track meet, they put my brother and I in a track meet. In our first track meet, we broke a world record. And, and I want to tell you this because this is very phenomenal because we grew up in a very staunch Pentecostal church that did not believe in athletics. My father never bought me any tennis shoes. He never, I never played catch with my father. I never, there was no athletic stuff at all. So how in the world do you break a world record when you, you've never been trained, <laughs> you've never been pushed? <laughs> I mean, I want you to see God in this. Never been pushed, didn't, never been trained, never really seen anybody run. You just go out there and they put you on the track and you smash a world record. How do you do that except for by God? I didn't even know I could run like that. <laughs> didn't know. You <laughs> had no idea. That's God. God had a plan for my life. He had a plan for my brother's life. He had a plan for our family's life. Even though we were, we were living in virtual hell, my mom didn't know what was going on. She was just trying to make ends meet. So I'm an 11-year-old kid seeing all this stuff. First, I smoked my first joint at 11. I smoked first at 11. I had sex first at 11. I stole my first car at 11. No man in the house. No covering. No protection. And crime all around. People vying for us. But God was there protecting us holding back the hand of Satan because he had a plan for our lives. So then now it's discovered that my brother and I can run, so now all the coaches are kind of like coming around. The kids are now protecting us because before we came there, we these two weird black kids who, who wear Levi's and, and wingtips because we didn't have tennis shoes. <laughs> so <laughs> they never bought us tennis shoes. They didn't want us to run. So instead of us being these two weird kids, now we're all of a sudden gaining some celebrity. And, and so because we're gaining celebrity, guys are coming around us and they're starting to teach us things. And so one of the things I learned how to do, like I said, was steal cars and smoke dope and smoke cigarettes and run around the little girls and fight. Every Tuesday, a soda truck would come in front of our school every Tuesday, <laughs> right before recess, and the truck would go by. And back in those days, they didn't cover the so they didn't have sides on the street. were just out and open. Some of you guys are old enough to remember they didn't, there were no gates on the trucks. There was just, soda was on the shelves. So we would see the soda truck come, everybody in the class would say, soda truck, soda truck. And when the recess bell rang, we'd break out of the school, run across the street. Soda truck would be parked in the alley. we all grab a couple six packs run all the way around the corner and go sit in the corner of the school, open them up and drink them. So I learned how to steal. I actually, for two years, I, I remember stealing my lunch every day for two years because I was hungry. There was nothing to eat. I remember growing up in six homes that got condemned, full of rats, full of roaches. We'd go to church, come home from church, and there'd be roaches everywhere. But God was there. He was protecting us. I mean, if you look at me now, you would never know. <laughs> you would never know. I've seen what I've seen. 
I remember I started playing football my sophomore year in high school, played at a very, very good school, um, Sacramento High School. I remember we were going to play a school called Lodi. I'm using the bathroom and one of the guys on my team, 14 years old, jumps over the stall and he has a 45 automatic and he's pointing at me laughing, just joking. We're talking about 72, 1972, 1973. We're not talking about today. Kid with a 45 automatic loaded. I remember on my football team, guys I played with in high school, I had pimps. There were guys who had girls downtown on the corner. There were guys who were selling drugs openly. And they were trying to recruit me to this. They were trying to recruit me to doing the same thing because everybody was doing it. Meanwhile, you know, I'm going to church. <laughs> this is, listen, I want you to understand, I'm going to church. I'm in a church. I'm going to church. And all of this stuff was around me. It was a part of my life. On Sundays, I'm going to church. Sunday school, early morning service and evening service. And then when I leave the church and I go home, all of this other stuff is going on around me. And God was there. Some of this stuff is for some of you single mothers. I show you the picture of my mom because my mom raised six kids. None of us been to jail. None of us are on drugs. None of us are alcohol. As a matter of fact, all of us are in ministry somewhere. Somehow we're doing something in ministry. So if you're a single mother here right now and you're struggling with your children, and you're wondering if it's worth it. It's worth it. Teach your children the word. Model the word in front of your children. Yeah, are you going to get tired? Yes, you're going to get tired. Are you going to get frustrated? Yes, you're going to get frustrated. Yeah, is it going to be hard? Yes, it's going to be hard. But I tell you, I love my mom. I love my mom. I will never be able to repay her for what she's done for me or my brothers and sisters. We'll never be able to repay her. And when I talk to her, I thank her for tearing me up. I thank, I do, I thank her. Back then, I, I could have told her I hated her. I hate you. I, yeah, kids are going to say that. They may tell you that they hate you. But I want to encourage you to do the right thing. For I love my mom because she taught me the word. And she showed me the word. And she loved me enough to tell me the truth. So we get to high school and all this stuff is happening. I remember now I'm starting to become a star. I'm starting to smell myself. You're getting that little walk and, you know... <laughs> And I'm thinking, hey, I'm, I might get a scholarship. I'm, you know, I'm, I might get a scholarship, and I'm, I'm going to start a team. I'm one of the stars. I'm, I'm the star running back. Matter of fact, I wasn't just a running back. I was a start, starting corner, too, so I played both ways. I never came out of the game. I was one of them kind of guys. I never came out. You heard my name all game long, and I liked it. And I started believing in it, and it, it, it started taking over me. Even though I knew God and I loved God, I was more interested in that, and that was taking me away. Yeah, I prayed before the games, and I do, but my mind was on football and football only. But God had a plan for me. My culture was a Christian, and he was a, he was a what I call closet Christian because he never said anything about God or church or his walk with God. Identified me as one of his stars my junior year, the summer before my senior year, and he sent me to a camp. 
I thought it was just going to be a football camp. I'm going to, because, man, I'm proud. He even bought me football cleats. I'm like, my football coach bought me, my, bought my shoes, and he's sending me to Oregon for a week to train. He really believes in me. I'm going to be his star. So I remember getting on the bus, driving through the night, going to Ashland, Oregon. I'd never seen snow, and it snowed along the way. I saw snow for the first time. Get off the bus, and they hand me a packet. In the packet was a Bible. And I said, oh my God, I'm at a Christian camp. <laughs> I was going to a football camp. They sent, me to a, they sent me to a Christian camp. So I was kind of mad, but I was kind of confused because there was some other stuff in there too. There was some motivational stuff, but I remember, when I saw the Bible, I'm like, I know what this is. <laughs> so I couldn't wait to the first meeting when we get to the first meeting, they hooked me up with a guy named Jeff Seaman. Jeff Seaman happened to be, I think, in his rookie year uh, or his first year. He was a first-year starter for the Minnesota Vikings. He was the middle, starting middle linebacker, and I had seen him play. He was All-American from, I believe, USC out of Bakersfield. And I got to work out with him. They assigned me to him. And so, boy, I'm happy. I get to work out with Jeff Seaman. I know who this guy is. And we get to the first night worship service or meeting, and lo and behold, the featured speaker on the roster that night was Coach Tom Landry of the Dallas Cowboys. So now I'm kind of stunned because here's two guys I know, two stars, and they're talking about Jesus too. And I know who Jesus is, and I, I really love Jesus. I loved him in my heart. I loved the word. I loved to study the word. But I didn't want anybody from my neighborhood to know that I loved the Lord or that I even read the Bible. Because in my neighborhood, you had to be tough all the time. So I didn't want anybody to know that I went to church I didn't want anybody to know I knew the Bible. I never said Jesus. I never said anything about church or God when I was with the football team or the track team. I never said anything. I didn't want them to know. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed of Jesus that I even knew. So when I got to FCA camp and I saw Jeff Seaman in worship service break down to his knees, 6'3", 250 pounds, raising his hands, crying. This big old man crying who I saw take heads off on Sundays. And I saw Coach Tom Landry openly profess Christ and preach Christ with pride and with power. It started to change me because for the first time in my life, I saw a man's man love God with real passion and real emotion. And I had never seen that before. I seen the guys in my church, you know, worship God and all that. But remember, at my church, they weren't in athletics. They were just... To me, they were wimps. But when I saw these guys, these big, strong men who I knew were men's men and could take anybody out, fall to their knees and throw their hands up in the air and tears stream from their eyes, worshiping Jesus Christ, it started to change me. It started to have an effect on me. And they, he did it every night. When the worship would go forth, Jesse would break down to his knees, his hands would go up and he would break out in tears. I said, this dude right here, he loves God. He's not ashamed. 
And I, re I remember saying to myself, if Jeff can do that, if he can love God and worship God and not be ashamed, maybe I could go back to the neighborhood and do the same thing. Maybe, maybe I can do that. And I was struggling with that. But after about the third night, I made a decision to give my life to Christ because of what I saw Jeff Seaman do and because of what I heard Coach Tom Landry say. And I gave my life to Christ. And let me tell you this. I've been around this thing and I've been walking with God. I've been trying to walk with God for over 44 years. And let me tell you this and let me confess this. It hasn't been perfect. I've fallen many times. I've made many mistakes. I've said stuff I shouldn't have said. I've done stuff I shouldn't have done. But I'm going to tell you, every year I got stronger. Every year I got wiser. Every year the word became more and more real to me. And every year I, I was able to say no to more what the enemy was offering me and yes to what God was offering me. Every time. Maybe you're in a situation tonight where you're down. Maybe you fell. Maybe you said something, did something, went somewhere. You shouldn't have gone, said something you shouldn't have said, did something you shouldn't have done. Let me tell you not to give up. It's a part of the growth process. It's a part of the growth process. Falling and getting up is a part of the growth process. How many of you, raise your hand, when you were born, jumped out of your mom's womb and ran across the room? Raise your hand, I want to see you. You did it? You jumped out of your mom's womb and you ran across the floor? Let me shake your hand, brother. <laughs> I need some of you. No, he didn't do that. None of us did that. It was months before we could stand. And we were hanging on the chairs and coffee tables and, and couches. And we'd take one step and we'd fall down. What did we do after that? Mm -hmm. I know you got up. You know why? Because you can walk now. Yeah, you fell down and you got up. And you took two more steps and you fell down and what else happened? You got up. And every time you got up, you were able to take more steps. You were able to walk further and pretty soon you didn't wobble anymore. Pretty soon you had coordination. You could swing your arms. You could get on your toes. You could cut. You could spin. You could jump. But you had to keep getting up. As long as you can get up and you have a mind to get up, you can do it. I'm saying that because whatever God has told you you can be, you can be. You're not going to just be it right now. There's a process that has to happen in you. No one climbs a mountain on the smooth side. You would just slide. No, it's got to be rough so you have something to grab onto, something to put a foothold on, a handhold, something to climb. And when you're climbing, it's work. It's not easy. You don't just slide up the mountain. No. You climb. It's work. And you remember each step. Why is life like that? Because those steps you take, those falls you take, those mistakes you make are not just for you. They're for somebody else. You see, you can ask me about any one of those mistakes I made. I could tell you, don't go there. 
don't do that. <laughs> don't be that. Don't say that. This is what happened to me. God has a plan for all of our lives. We're all connected. We're all connected. What you do affects me and what I do affects you. What you say affects me and what I say affects you. We're all connected. Isn't it funny how all of our lives are like this? Let me explain this. When it comes to music and the Bible and sports, I'm, I can, I'm like here. Man, I know that. I can do that. But when it comes to computers or some other stuff, I, I, I'm a dummy. I just, you're going to have to help me. I believe that God made all of us like that. Because where I'm strong, I can help you. But where I'm weak, you're strong and you can help me. And see, if we learn how to come together and help each other, man, this could be a beautiful thing. It could be a beautiful place. Because let me tell you something. Whether you know it or not, everybody in this room tonight is weak somewhere. Come on. Everybody in this room tonight is weak somewhere. And we need each other. We need each other. That's the way it works. You strengthen me, I strengthen you. That's what we call love. That's what we're talking about, giving and taking. That's what we call brotherhood. That's what we call fellowship. That's what we call community. You help me where I'm weak. We, the church, or people around the church, the ecclesia, the chosen ones, we ought to be the most sympathetic, most merciful people in the world. Because you got a butt, and I got a butt. Yeah, less is cool, but... Yeah, it's funny, ain't it? <laughs> so we should be the most sympathetic. We should not be accusing. We should not be pointing at each other. We should not be... We, we, we already know we got a butt. It's no secret. Let's help each other with that. Let's love each other with that. Let's lift each other up. Let's love on each other. You know what I'm saying? Let's encourage each other. Let's get better. When somebody falls down, we don't laugh at them. We sympathize with them. We pick them up. We show them how to stand up again and walk a little bit further. Yeah, they're going to fall just like you fell, just like I fell. But if we help them get up, they can rise to take another step. And each time they get to go further, they get stronger. They can climb higher. They can go further. And pretty soon they'll be reaching back to pick up the next person and say, yeah, I remember when I was there too. You understand what I'm saying? I am so, I'm so happy. I'm so happy um, when I look back at my life, uh, I'm so happy about how God has done what he's done. Now, I don't, I'm not planning on dying soon. I'm not, I'm not looking back at my life, like, but I'm looking at what he, where he's already brought me from and what he's brought me through, and I'm so thankful. As a matter of fact, he gives me courage to deal with what I'm dealing with today, and I will admit to you the last three or four months have been the toughest of my life. Yeah, it's been tough. But whenever I go through things like that, 
I know there's a reason. There's a reason. When God allows toughness to come in your life, challenges, trials, and tests, I'm starting to look at them as God is growing me. God is testing me. God is not only testing me, but he's allowing me to see that with him in my life and through him, I can master anything. That if I would just relax and let him help me, if I don't panic. See, lots of times we panic and we start talking and we talk it, we talk it out. We just, we mess it up. If I can just get still and pray to him and talk to him, he can help me work it out. But it requires patience, and patience is hard for us in the 21st century because we don't wait for anything. <laughs> we haven't been taught to wait for anything. Everything's instant. Everything's instant. You know, we got instant oatmeal. What else is instant? Coffee. Everything's instant. We want our computer to bounce. It has to be fast. But God has a plan for your life. He has a tremendous plan for your life. If you will relax and let him do his deal in your life, he will show you himself. He will walk with you. He will talk with you. He will calm you down in the storms. He will relax you in the storms. He'll give you peace in the storm. He'll give you confidence in the storm. He'll take you back to places he's brought you before. He said, remember when you were there? I got you out of that. I can get you out of this. He did say he would never leave us. He said he would never forsake us. David said, I once was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. That means he can provide for your every need if you will walk with him. Some of you are probably looking at me saying, oh, I don't I don't know that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that God can provide. I can tell you that he can provide. I remember me and my wife first got married. I had just walked away from show business. I used to be an actor, and I was a working actor. I made several movies, did lots of TV, modeled, did all that stuff. Did, and I, I made a decision to, to let it go, and I'm going to go in ministry. And I remember distinctly, we had no food in the house. I mean, we had no food in the house. And I was teaching a Bible study from my church. And I, we didn't tell anybody we needed food. We didn't say anything to anyone. No one knew we needed food. I remember we, we prayed, we, we joined him, we prayed, we said, God, we need food, we, have, we're, we don't have money. We made a decision to follow you, we have nothing to eat. And the next day, the doorbell rings. I go to the door. We lived in an indoor condo. And all the way down the hall for about 15 yards were bags of groceries stacked three or four deep, like 15 yards. It was like three months of groceries, meat, Steaks, pork chops, ribs, bread, rice, 
beans, cheese, everything. To this day, I don't know who put that food there. To this day, we didn't tell a soul but God. So I know God can provide. I know he can meet your need. And the most powerful way to pray is to agree, touch and agree with someone. Like it says in Matthew 18, it says that if you touch and agree, just touching any point that he will hear you and he will do it. And he proved to me that he would do it that day. I'll never forget that. I can tell you, I can tell you a hundred stories of how God showed himself big in my life, showed his word, showed itself to be true in my life. If you will, if you will extend yourself to God, listen to me. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna I'm gonna quit. Listen to me. If you extend yourself to God, really, if you will stop listening to the media, you will stop listening to Facebook and Instagram and what else? Twitter and the newsreels, yeah, Snapchat and what all that. And you will start reading the word and getting in your spirit and pray to God. Get serious with God. Serious. Say, God, because this is what I did. I said, God, you have to prove yourself to me. I said, I was raised in the church and I've seen all kinds of stuff. But if you want me to speak for you and you want me to live for you, you want to have to show yourself to me. And I asked God to show himself to me. And he began to show himself to me. He began to show himself true to his word. And I began to go scripture by scripture and say, God, I'm reading this. I want you to show me this. And he would show it to me. I can tell you the truth. I've seen God raise the dead. I've seen God cast out demons. Everything that he said he'd done, I've seen it. And he's done it for me. And I remember when I asked him, I said, God, I want to see your works. I want to see all this stuff. He said, when you give me all of you, I'll give you all of me. That's what he said to me. If you give me all of you, I'll give you all of me. I don't know who I'm helping tonight. I don't know who that challenged tonight. But I'll say it again. If you give him all of you, he'll give himself, all of himself to you. God bless you. I hope I said something inspire you. I love you. Whatever you do, don't quit. Keep getting up. Whether you take one step, two steps, five steps, or 15 steps, keep getting up. God has a plan for your life. God bless you.